king asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Can you say, where is he? Where is he? Oh my goodness. What a powerful question. You see, some people talk about how much they love you, but they don't show it. Where are they? Okay. But here the king says, where is he? Because the king had plans for Mephibosheth. The king wanted to show love and kindness for him. So listen to me. No matter where he was, he was going to be found and brought to the king. Say this with me. No matter, no matter. where I am, where I am. The, king the king will find me. Will find me. I don't care if you're in depression. I don't care if you've been having suicidal thoughts. I don't care if you're full of anxiety. I don't care if you're broke. I don't care if you're brokenhearted. When the king comes looking for you, he will find you. Even if your head is down. Even if you're living in obscurity. Even if you're full of grief and sadness and hopelessness. When the king comes looking for you, he will find you. He will send his servant after you. And we know that the Holy Spirit is his servant, right? And then without the Holy Spirit, we cannot be saved. So the Holy Spirit came looking for us. Where is he? In Lodabar, Ziba told him. But this didn't stop the king. He could have said, Lodabar, Lodabar, Lima. Can any good thing come from Lima? Can any good thing come from Lodabar? It doesn't matter where you are from when the king comes looking for you. It doesn't matter what family you were born into or what you've been experiencing or where life has taken you or where your sin has put you and placed you. Usually that's within the grips of death and depression and obscurity and also condemnation, but it didn't matter. He's at the home of Makur, son of Amiel. So somebody knew exactly where Mephibosheth was. So even in your obscurity, see, what's one of our major problems is that we want people to see us. We want people to see our brokenheartedness. We want people to see our loneliness. We want people to see you most often can't help you. But Jesus saw exactly where Mephibosheth was. So David sent for him and brought him from the cure's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. So for David to say, don't be afraid, that tells me a little bit about Mephibosheth's uh, vibe at the time. It tells me that he was probably trembling. It tells me that probably he was probably ashamed and he was probably thinking, what does this king want to do with me? Have they come to finish me off? But David said, don't be afraid. I intend to show you kindness. Can we speak by faith this morning? Sensitive to this. Can we speak by faith this morning? Sensitive to the Lord. The Lord. 
intends to show me kindness. The Lord intends to show me kindness. Listen, you have to know the king's intention with you. That's the key to revival, knowing his intentions for you are good. His intentions are not to harm you, are not to hurt you. His intentions for you are only good. I intend to show you kindness because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. So we have covenant promises with our God as well. But sometimes knowing the promises doesn't have the effect upon us that it should. Sometimes your walk with God has not had the effect upon your life as it should. Because you know the promises, you've heard the promises, but you're not experiencing them. So Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, and here's what he said after hearing the good intentions that the king had for him. Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Some Christians have a dead dog mentality. You feel as if you are below the promises that God has made for you. You feel that you are not worthy. Where would you ever get a lie like that from? I know exactly where you'd get a lie like that from. The father of lies, the devil, the one that comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But when the king has good intent, all those lies disappear and dissipate right in our very sight. But faith must arise in the moment that you hear the king talking. Faith must arise when you read the Bible. Faith must arise when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Because if faith doesn't arise, then you'll make a statement like Mephibosheth did. Who am I that you would show kindness to such a dead dog like me? Mephibosheth's meeting with the king was much different than Esther's. Esther had the best of everything and was willing to die. Mephibosheth had nothing and already considered himself dead. I need to say that again so that hits you uh, right where it needs to hit you. Esther had the best of everything and was willing to die. Mephibosheth had nothing and already considered himself dead. Church, can you say this with me? Revival. Revival. One more time. Revival. Revival. Father, I pray for Tara. I don't know what's going on or why she left. She's just All right. Well, Father, I just pray that you would touch her body right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, bless her with the revival that she is in desperate need of. Bless her. Say that the Lord rebuke you now in Jesus' name. You have no authority over her to touch her with any sickness or anything else. Bless her and revive her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Say revival. revival. We desperately need a revival. So listen to this. Esther, when she met the king, she walked in as a queen. But Mephibosheth, when he met the king, he was crippled in both feet. So my question for you today is, how are you walking? How are you walking? How are you walking right now? Are you walking with a limp 
Are you walking because you have been abused by lies? You've been abused by the enemy? See, I'm not foolish enough to, to think that there's not a before Christ in your life. I'm not foolish enough to think that you've had it together or you even have it together right now. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you reveal to us how we are walking right now. How are we walking today? Esther lived in royalty. Mephibosheth lived in obscurity. So are you thriving like Esther or are you just surviving? Is your spirit thriving or is it just surviving? Are you sur just, just surviving? Are you sur just barely making it? Just let's be honest, all right? Let, let's cut out all the phoniness, all the all the cover, the cloak of religion, all the, all those things. Let's just be honest right now. Because if you're not honest, you won't be healed today. You gotta be honest right where you are and say. I feel like I'm just surviving sometimes. I, I, I feel like I'm barely making it sometimes. My, my joy just goes up and down. And sometimes I'm afraid, but sometimes I'm full of courage and faith. Holy Spirit, where are they right now? These ones that are feeding your word, where are they right now? How are they walking? Are you in the palace spiritually? Or are you in the pit? Where are you? So you need to be saying, Lord, show me where I am because I should be living my life. Esther had the best of everything and was willing to die, as I said before. But Mephibosheth had nothing and already considered himself dead. Esther was willing to sacrifice herself to save her people. But Mephibosheth considered himself dead because his family and his dreams already were. Five years old. His father and grandfather murdered. The nurse runs away with him to save his life and drops him. And from the time he's five years old on, he is crippled and he is separated from the kingdom. So that tells me that you can be saved, you can have an encounter with the king, but something can happen, whether it be from the past or the present, that cripples you and separates you from the life of royalty that you so deserve. And the reason that we need a revival is because the enemy has come in to destroy, but we must remember that when the king comes and calls for us, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. But we've still got to be real today because Proverbs 13, 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Some of you have been hoping for a husband. Some of you have been hoping for a better job. Some of you have been hoping for many things. Some of you have been hoping for prophecies to be revealed and finally come forth in your life. Some of you have been hoping for happiness and hoping for joy and hoping for all the things that God promised. But the Bible says that when hope takes a long time or it is deferred or held back, that the heart becomes sick. So I'm praying for you this morning as you listen to this message and all of you need it because there's some places in your heart that you might be sick if hope has been deferred. So if hope has been deferred. 
So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that you would open our hearts up for ministry this morning. This message isn't for somebody on the other cross, on the other side of the uh, sanctuary, or someone online. This message is for us. Can you say this with me? This message is for me. So, Lord, we receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Mephibosheth was five when his father and grandfather were killed. He was crippled in his childhood. So my question to you is, how old were you when it happened? How old were you when it happened? What is the it? The it is that thing that the enemy has come in to do those moments in life where he tried to destroy you. The it could have been time in jail. The it could have been being tailed. The it could have been being touched inappropriately. The it could have been rejection from your parents. The it could have been many hurts and many sorrows. How old were you when it happened? It could have happened in adulthood. It could have been the passing of a parent. It could have been a divorce. It could have been the loss of a child. What is your it? We've got to go there today so that God can heal us from our it's, from our situation. So what was your it? And if you don't address the it, it will always be there. It will always haunt you. It will always be a reminder that part of you is imprisoned and not delivered yet. It is a reminder that part of you still lives in Thunderball. Where there is no word and there is no hope. You see, the world tells us that time heals all wounds. But the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So time does not heal all wounds. Because if your hope has been deferred, then your heart's sick. So Lord, I pray now that as embarrassing as it is, and as hurtful as it is, God, that you would allow our it's to rise to the top this morning so that your Holy Spirit can take the it's away from us and deliver to us the glory of your salvation. That you can take the it's from us, God, and bring us to a place of deliverance and bring us to a place of healing. You see, because the truth is, you can't talk about it sometimes. Those it's that you've been through, you can't just tell anybody those is because it's so shameful and so embarrassing or it just it just causes a geyser of emotion to flow out of you. Maybe you haven't healed from that it moment. And because we haven't healed, we need to be real enough to say, Lord, will you help me? Because here is the, here is the truth. We can become trapped in trauma. We can become trapped in trauma. So if I was just a little boy when I experienced it, I can still be that hurt little boy, even in an adult body. I hope you're listening to me. No matter when it happened, you can get stuck there in that moment. Some of you remember, some of you remember where you were when 9-11 happened. Some of you remember where you were when the shuttle exploded or when Kennedy was assassinated, depending on how old you are. Those it's because they were so worldwide. Everybody knew about it. 
But see, the problem with our it is sometimes we're the only one that knows about it. But the king knows. Because King David asked a question and said, Is there anyone left from Jonathan's house that I might show kindness to? So God, that tells me that God knows about our ifs. Listen to this. It may have been 16 years before Prince Mephibosheth encountered someone from the royalty from which he came. So from the time that he was five where he was hurt, they, they assumed that he might have been 21 years old when he finally saw someone from the palace again. When he finally saw someone from royalty. When his prayer was finally answered. When his hope finally no longer deferred, he may have been 21 years old. And what does that sound like? What does it sound like to live in obscurity for that long, knowing who you are inside, but nobody else sees it? Can you imagine Mephibosheth telling people in Lodabar that, hey, my dad was a king. I come from royalty. And what would they say to him? Well, you sure don't look like it. Stop with your lying, Mephibosheth. We've heard your stories before. But he knew deep down who he was. But he just couldn't show people. He could tell them the promises. He could tell them where he came from, but he just couldn't give them proof. He waited for 16 years. How long have you been waiting for your healing? How long have you been waiting for your healing? How long have you been waiting for the it that happened to you to be removed from you so that you can walk into the newness of life. The king sent his word for Mephibosheth to be brought from Lodabar, a place with no word. I'm going to say it again because I think you missed it. Listen to me. Lodabar is where we live in the it. Yep. The hurt, the heartache, the, the barrenness, the brokenheartedness, the divorce, the abuse, the, 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 the miscarriages, like all, all those hurts, like our soul, when it hurts and it is desperate for a change, it lives in Lodabar and there is no word in Lodabar. There's no word there. But one day, a word came to town. One day, a word came to town. One day, a messenger arrived at Mephibosheth's door and said, the king is looking for you. Can you imagine the friends around him hearing that? So he wasn't lying? Do you mean to tell me that Mephibosheth, the crippled man, wasn't lying? Can you imagine how that changed Lodabar that day? The place of no word and no hope. They said that someone from the royal palace is in Lodabar and they're looking for the broken man named Mephibosheth, the crippled man. The king has requested his presence. Who? The king. Says to me, the king. The king. I'm not talking about a doctor. It was not a doctor that came to town saying, I'm willing to fix your feet. I'm not talking about a, a man from the bank saying, hey, I'm willing to give you a loan. A word from the king changes everything. A word from the king is backed by the king himself. And listen to me, even if the messenger would have abandoned his job 
had not made it to Mephibosheth, the king would have sent another messenger yeah. and another messenger and another messenger yeah. because his love for us is so strong that he's unwilling us is unwilling to leave us in it. He's unwilling to leave us in Lodabar, a place with no word. So the king sent his word through a man named Ziba, I believe, and he arrived. The king sent word. So listen to me. Are you saved but still awaiting total salvation in your life? So if you've come to Jesus Christ, if you've given your life to him, but you say, if you've come to Jesus Christ, if you've given your life to him, but you say, well, Lord, there's still some things about me that need to be touched. Because listen to me, getting saved does not always mean that it heals you emotionally. Getting saved saves your soul. Okay, but still you've got some trauma and some things that you've been through. You've got some areas in your life that need to be revived. And so we say, Lord, I thank you for saving me. But Lord, I want to see your total salvation. Sing it with me, Lord. Thank you for saving me. But I desire to see your total salvation. Lift your hands all over the sanctuary. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we release your word, people. You are the king that has come not only to save us, but to deliver us from all of our trauma and all of our trouble. For your word says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us from them all. Listen to me. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I never saw it this way. But listen, there's some afflictions that the righteous had before they were righteous. And he is able to deliver us from them all. Can you say them all? Them all. You see, there are some situations that get us stuck in it. There are some things that happen to us that cause us to emotionally move to Lodabar. But my Bible tells me through the word of God that he is able to deliver us from them all. Can you say them all? Them all. I believe in this place this morning for all of those who are willing to say them all. Say them all. Say them all. Again, them all. He is faithful to deliver us from them all. The kingdom asked what the condition of Mephibosheth's life was like. He didn't ask if he was crippled. He didn't ask if he was doing well. He didn't ask what city he was living in. He just said, where is he? And bring him to me. Lord, I thank you for your love this morning that calls out for us when we feel forgotten. And you say, bring him to me. So listen to me. So what do we do with our it's? What do we do with our situations? What do we do with our hurts? What do we do with all of our cares? Here's what the king said. Cast your cares upon me. What did the king say that he wanted to do for Mephibosheth? I intended to show him kindness. So why is Jesus asking for our cares? Cast your cares upon me. Why? Because I care. 
for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we cancel the lie that we're not cared about. We cancel the lie that when we we experience the traumatic experience that, that we've been through in our life, that you didn't care about us. You cared about us. When we, when we were abused. You cared about us when we lost our mom or dad at a young age. You cared about us when we were made children of divorce. You cared about us in the car wreck. You cared about us through the sickness. You cared about us in the divorce. You cared about us in our darkest hour, on our, in our darkest hour, on our darkest day, when we felt the loneliest. You still cared about us. So we declare the love of God Reach us in those moments right now. In Jesus' name. I send the love of God all the way back to your it's. All the way back to those injuries and those hurts of your past. Love of God, reach out and see them there. Whether they were a child or whether they were an adult. Reach them there, God. Reach them in their it. Send word to Lodabar that the king requires your Jesus' name. So now that you have been brought to the king, you've got to change your mind. Because although Mephibosheth was, he bowed to the king in reverence and said, I am your servant, he was still afraid. So listen to me, church. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Maybe you told your kids before and they just didn't even believe you. Maybe they called you a liar and said, why are you making these things up? And maybe they even said one of the worst things that you can ever say to somebody, get over it. But you don't have to get over it. Because Christ endured it for you on the cross. All that pain that he went through on that cross was for you. They touched him inappropriately, didn't they? They took a crown made of thorns and shoved it into his head. That's not, that's not a healthy touch, is it? They beat him. They punched him in the face. They spit on him. They ripped his clothes off and they gambled him away. And finally, even after he was dead, this is how mean our bullies are. This is how mean the world is. Even after you're left for dead, they stuck a spear in his side and out gushed the water. After you're left for dead, they stuck a spear in his side and out gushed the water and the blood. Because sometimes, not sometimes, all the time, there has to be a release for the trauma that we've been through. Put your hand on your side. Say this with me, Lord. I thank you for releasing me from the trauma I've experienced in my life. I receive a washing right now. Wash me with your blood and wash me with the water, the living water of your word. As I release my hand, I release the trauma. In Jesus' name. Just let it flow. Just stand for a moment. Just stand. Kimberly, I'm not done, but can you just come back and just play for a little bit? Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing in this place right now. We thank you that we're not ashamed to stand before you and say, Lord, we need your help. 
We're not ashamed to say there's still time that even though we're saved, that there's times that we still cry from the pain and the memories of our it's that happened to us in Lodabar. But now, God, we thank you that we are able to stand just as we are before the king, beaten, afraid, ashamed, disheveled, hopeless, afraid. But yet here we are, not because we came to you after 12 months of beauty treatments, but we're coming to you with years, years worth of pain, God. We're coming to you, God, with hurt that is so deep that sometimes we can't sleep. We're coming to you, God, just as we are. And you will not turn us away. May through our tear-filled eyes, may we look up and see the radiant and beaming smile of a king that has the power to change our lives with just one word. Never again did Mephibosheth have to go back to Lodabar because now he was going to live now his feet would be, his crippled feet would be hidden under the table of the king. Hurt, he would be known for being helped. The most famous thing that happened to Mephibosheth now was not what happened to him when he was five, but what happened to him around the age of 21 when he was living with a dream in a city called Lodabar, when he was living as if he were already dead. The devil had lied to him so much that he considered himself dead. Nobody cares about you. Nobody's coming for you. You're always going to be like this. You're not holy enough. You're not royal enough. You're not good enough. And for years and years years, Mephibosheth heard these thoughts and they reminded him of how true his reality around him really seemed. Mephibosheth didn't even know the king yet, but yet the king knew his father. And since the king knew his father, there was a covenant that was made that they would always love each other. So the king still had love to give. Say this with me, my king, my king still has love, still has love to, give to give me. So he went looking for him and he was brought to him, but yet he didn't feel worthy enough. Pray this prayer with me. Father, Father help, me help me to overcome, to overcome my emotions. That feel so much, like reality. Would you help me, God, to live by faith and not by sight? In Jesus' name, have a seat for just a little bit longer, please. Just a little bit longer. I want to talk to you about, in my closing, the absolute worst place to meet a king. The absolute worst place that you could ever hope to meet somebody to meet a king. 
So this will be worse than, than meeting uh, someone famous in, in a compromising situation. This, this, would, this would be worse than meeting uh, someone special when you just weren't at your best, okay? I, I, I know a lot of ladies sometimes aren't at their best in the pickup line or the drop-off line at school, all right? Dropping the kids off, you're just trying to rush and get ready, so this isn't the place you want to meet a celebrity and when you're in a car dropping off the kids at school, okay? But there's even a worse place to meet a king. But I want to display to you that even in the worst place ever that you could meet a king, that even in the worst place ever that you could meet a king, that his love for you still abounds and is willing to change you in that very moment. It's found in Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 43, and it says this. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. We're talking about King Jesus. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched as the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words. This is the king. Jews. Remember I told you this would seem like the, one of the worst places ever to meet a king. You're either on the left side of him or, the, or the right side of him and you're being executed. You're, you're dying in sin for the crimes that you've committed and you're probably totally naked. Because they wanted to bring maximum shame to those that they were publicly executing. They wanted to show the crowd that if you go against us, this is what will happen to you. We won't even let you wear clothes. We're going to publicly shame you and wear clothes. We're going to publicly shame you and crucify you on a tree for all the world to see. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, terrible place to meet the king, but totally the right heart, right? Terrible place to meet the king. Here I am. I'm dying next to the king on the cross. I'm guilty of my sin. I'm ashamed. I'm naked. I'm afraid. And I truly believe that this king is who he says he is. But this is the worst place that I could. This is the worst place that I could ever meet him. But it doesn't seem like it really matters. The king. Listen to what he said. Then he said. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. One of the keys of your revival today, 
one of the keys of your inner healing to all of your hurt and all of your shame is to just say these two words. Say this with me. Remember me. Remember me. And you know what it'll tell you? I never forgot you. He promised that he would never leave us and never forsake us even though we went through all of that pain. I don't know why God allows bad things to happen to people. I don't know why God allows children to be hurt. I don't know why there's so much pain and suffering in this world. And his name is Jesus. And he wipes away all of our tears. And he's near to the brokenhearted. And he promises to help all that cry out to him for salvation. And even from the cross, this thief condemned to be murdered said, remember me. I mean, what a terrible place to get saved. But does it really matter? Does it matter how you were when you got saved or when you got saved or when you received your healing? It doesn't matter. And Jesus replied, Ah, this is the king talking. I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Listen to me. You don't have to die receive your healing today because the Bible says this about today today is the day of salvation stand to your feet please and I want to say a special prayer for all of those that have been in a town called it who have been to Lodabar who are in need of some healing today Father, as we close the message, pray blessings over what we've heard, but now we're going into time of ministry, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move so powerfully in this place, God, that you would so separate us from our pain, and it would only be a memory of the past, a memory that is replaced, not by the hurt that happened, but by the healing. That you would allow our hurts and our tragedies, God, to become just a memory. And not a memory of the hurt, but a new memory of the help that we receive.